0: back to part two of Speaking Broadly's first ever podcast, looking at a 21-year history of broadly speaking. I'm still joined by Hilary, David, and Giuseppe, and how about we jump right into a question? David, what's, you know, what's more crucial in running a sales team, leadership or management? <laughs>
1: This is a great question. <laughs> um, I would have to say, well, they're both entwined, obviously, but I would say leadership is is key. Yeah. So, um, actually, the best way to describe this is a is a, a real life incident, not in this business, but um, when I was a a young director of a growing company, um, and uh, I ran big sales teams. And uh, we had um, one sales team on a very successful exhibition product. And uh, the, the one day the, the guy, the, 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 the sales manager came in and I think he was going abroad and he, he resigned. And um, the, uh, his deputy was absolutely fantastic. And um, he did a brilliant job. Life and soul of the party really led the team. Actually, and very relaxed, lovely style about the way he got people to work with him and achieve things that they probably even didn't think they could achieve themselves. And uh, he was a natural, really, to be to become the sales manager. Yeah. And uh, so we went through the interview process. He talked a you know, good fight. And he, he got the job. Um, and in a way, it would be difficult not to give him the job. Mm. Uh, and then my office at the time was overlooking uh, the car park, the company car park, and he'd got a new company car. And I saw him drive in on his first uh, first day as sales manager. And he drove in, got out of his car. He was wearing a suit and tie. And he, we were always quite smart, but he, I'd never seen him wear a suit and tie apart from when he was, <laughs> when, when he was pitching to clients. He had a new briefcase. He did the executive click to to close his, probably his golf at the time, in the the, the 80s. And uh, I saw him walk across the car park and I thought, oh no, he's turned into Mr. Manager. Yeah. Uh, And uh, he... He completely lost his leadership stance. Everyone wondered who this guy was that walked into the office, including his team who he led so ably. And he turned into this sort of clipboard-wielding manager. And uh, and in the end... uh, sad to say he he kind of made himself redundant and he had to go because he was just a menace and they had tried to counsel but he had this thing in his head about what a manager was how a manager behaved and how people had to be managed uh, and yes people need to be managed and yes they need to be guided but it's about guiding and coaxing not pushing and demanding and yeah. and, and and ticking boxes yeah. so uh, you can get that process is important but you can get process anywhere if you can lead with passion and vision and uh, good humour that will make a difference to any sales team
0: yeah yeah Hilary do you, do you agree on that?
2: Well yeah, I, I do, but I'm because I'm not great on attention to detail anyway. So I mean, I'm would far <laughs> rather lead someone and we you know, we have a sense of purpose, we know where we're going. Um how we get there will probably be a bit circuitous and you know some things will work and some won't but it's about working together and getting the end result but I think also the I remember someone said to me once you know it's not about catching people doing things wrong it's catching mm. people doing things right and you know I think that's the the spirit of how I, I like to lead is to you know you want to get the best out of people and you do that by encouraging them and supporting them and letting them know you've got their back and um, and so for me it is more leadership than management as such Um, everybody has it in them I think to do a good job you just have to find what that is yeah and work at them like that so I would I would always go for leadership over management but obviously there is an element of both in in any leadership role
0: yeah completely agree so looking back over the years what's you know the most common mistakes you see leaders of business make when they're running their sales team
1: um well I guess my, uh, mine would be um, around recruitment, really. Yeah. Um, obviously, we deal now with some very big companies and have very big sales forces that we, we serve and uh, help them grow their business. But over the years, I've seen a lot of um, smaller and medium-sized businesses, quite often technical businesses, and these are very talented people who have um, either invented a product or a process. And they, you know, let's say they're engineers and you know, or manufacturing. And in manufacturing, you will have a process and a way of working that works best, yeah. op- you know, optimally. And so we'll talk to them about their business and they'll, have a, you know, they'll, they'll be measuring everything and processing everything, and everything else. And then they'll say, oh, yeah, well, we, we employed a salesperson. but it didn't really work out. He said, oh, right, okay, so, you know. What, you know? what were you looking for? Oh, well, this guy, he was great. He had an incredible personality, loved talking to people. And we gave him a company car and we gave him, you know, an expense account. And off he went. And he was fine for the first few months. But then, you know, I, all it was was bills. You know, his expense bills and petrol bills and all that kind of stuff. And I think lots of people, there's, a, they, they, there's always like this myth of the personality salesperson. Yeah. And of course, having a strong personality is good, but you know, sales, like any other business discipline, has a process. And part of what we do when Henry and I go and work with clients is we'll listen to them and listen to where they are with their sales and listen to you know, their sales team sometimes. And quite often, you know, within a very short space of time, we can hear where where they're going wrong because, you know, we've been taught how to sell and there are just, there's ways of, like anything, there's ways of doing it not well there's ways of doing it well and there's ways of doing, doing it even better and and people seem to think it just happens and you know if you, if you if you employ a cheeky chappy who's uh you know a finchy in the office or walker in dad's army then then, then, then sales will happen and actually personality does, does is helpful but in fact you know there is a, a way to go through a sales process yeah yeah and uh, and they don't think that exists, whereas a process and a way of doing things well is is active in every other part of their business yeah so so then would you say that good sales people are born or or are they bred uh well, I would say there's a bit of both there. <laughs> I, and i and I would say i so I've got a brother uh, an elder brother who's a very accomplished now retired doctor uh, and I could never get him to sell anything okay you know he he's a scientist very focused on 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 that and you know of some renown uh could I ever make him a salesperson? no, I definitely couldn't um and he doesn't even understand what we do really but the um so I think yes, there are attitudes and an aptitude that people have to have yeah but you know we also offer sales training to people you quite often to senior people and leaders of businesses um but um so you can train people to do it well but they have to have the right balance of uh Attitude and aptitudes that make them moldable into, um, you know, a strong salesperson. Yeah. Hilary, would you agree with that?
0: Uh, yeah,
2: I... <sighs> I think probably salespeople are born, I would say, rather than... I think if there are certain um, things you need to look for, as David says, in a salesperson, certain, certain natural qualities. Yeah. Um, and if those are there, then you, they can be honed and trained and coached. Yeah. Um and if, you know, so, so I think in that case, if you're born with those qualities, then, you know, I feel that, you know, I can work with people and I can coach them how to sell because it it isn't, you know, it isn't like David's brother. He's very, very <laughs> clever and he's a very skilled doctor. I'm, you know, we're not. And sales is a, a different type of skill, yeah. but it does require a different type of personal qualities, I think. So um, I would say probably... You can teach someone if they want to be taught and you can teach them if they have the, the, the natural skills. But yeah. uh, if those don't exist, then it's probably going to be quite tough.
0: <laughs> so then when, when you look at employing salespeople, what what skills are you looking for? What are, what are the key things that when you look on a CV or when you have them in an interview really stand out hmm. for you?
2: Well, for me, um, as I say, it is all about... It's more about attitude and aptitude than anything else. Yeah. And I would say that what I'm looking for is, you know, you've got to enjoy... Um if you are the prospective candidate or if you are looking for a sales job, then to be good at it you know and for me to employ someone then they need to have you know they need to have the sorts of things i 'm talking about here, which is they need to they, they need to think that you know calling somebody and engaging with someone from cold sounds like fun <laughs> sounds like i uh, you know they need to like a challenge they need to like yeah. to be in a competitive environment where maybe they can win the debate or win the argument where the idea of, you know, um, influencing and changing someone's mind fills them with um, you know a thrill a, a thrill rather than a, a fear of te- you know a terror yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and of course lots of people can think of nothing worse than yeah. having to speak to someone they've never spoken to before or try to change someone's ni- mind in the best possible you know the best possible will in the world that's what we're trying to do Yeah. Um, so you know you, that's got to sound like fun because otherwise trying to sell and in being in sales is you know it must be awful it must be awful and Mm. you know I've seen people come to work here and you can tell that they're just they're they're, they're thinking you know why did I do this and you know they're waiting for the the day to come to an end so they can go home again and you know no one wants to be doing that so I think uh you know what I'm looking for is aptitude and attitude for, for um, and and also someone that can use their initiative, think on their feet, um, but is open to open to advice um, and more than talking. As David says, you don't want someone that talks a lot; you want someone that listens well. Yeah, you know, and actually is genuinely interested. Yeah, and and I read somewhere recently that you know the best salespeople are inquisitive, mm. and I think that probably is, you know, really, really underrated because you've got to be nosy, you've got to care, you've got to be interested in your prospect genuinely because, you know, you need to understand them and their needs and their product or their service or their industry, you know, really, really well in order to be able to sell to them. And so that means you've got to care, you've got to be interested, you've got to really listen to what they're telling you and then you've got to be able to do something with that information.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also a level of pragmatism, isn't
2: there? yeah there is i mean you, you've got to know what it's going to take to, to get you over the line and to win the business and, and again you know it's a bit like that in in what we do you know you you know that you need to act in a certain way you know you need to make so many calls or connections you know you know you need to work hard to get a result mm. um and some people i can see in in the office here don't necessarily have all the natural skills of a salesperson but they know what it takes to get the job done
0: yeah and, that, and that's where training comes
2: in of course yeah. But there's also that application. Some people have that in ability. They get the message. They, they know. You know, and some people say, oh, that salesperson's a bit smart or a bit clever. They always do just enough to hit their targets, you know, or yeah. they, they don't make many calls, but the calls they make are really effective. And they say, well, that's fine by me. If they're, yeah. if get, if they're getting the job done and they've worked how to get it done, yeah. and they're effective and they know how to hit deadlines, that is a great asset to any <laughs> business. So, mm. you know, um, pragmatism is... David's right, you know, what do I need to do to get this project over the line, to deliver yeah. the right results, yeah. to keep my customer happy and somebody that can understand that and work that out quickly is, you know is that's, that is a sales skill
0: Well it's like like Bill Gates said once he'll always try and find the laziest person to hire because they want to get the job done quickest and best so well, if it works for some <laughs> they, a-
2: absolutely and, and there you go and you know there's you know some people that work very very hard but don't yeah. get anywhere really yeah. resent the people that don't appear to work hard yeah. to get the job done mm. yeah. but that but you know y- they've got something because they've worked out how to do the job well how to get it done how to get it done on time and that you know that that's important that's an yeah, important yeah. skill to have
1: and yeah. Yeah. I think when we Obviously, when we're recruiting people, quite often the people we're recruiting have not got sales experience. Yeah. So they come in, they may have got degrees, they may have been marketing managers, they may have been FDs, they may be an accountant, they may have been all sorts of things, but they might not have had sales skills. So as Henry said, we're looking at the aptitude and the attitude. But you know, when I'm talking to them during their induction process, you know, i always... Uh, say, you know, this is a tough job. It's a tough job uh, reaching out to people and introducing new ideas to them and getting them to see, to, to, to come to your way of thinking. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's always been a big thrill. And I, I, I remember as a rookie salesperson at EMAP, we had a very fiery sales trainer uh, who's still around. You can still see her online, Alison Hodge. And, and, a, and I had an even fiery boss who was, who was uh, in charge of me, who was, I think, in, in, in EMAPS, um, in EMAPS uh, Business and Computer Publication Division where I'd started. I was the first graduate recruit. And, uh, and she'd come from Haymarket and it was tough and um, but I remember when going through all that the sales training being role played to the inch of my life and <laughs> I remember I saw a few ads and they were great quite good fun and then I I got this uh, I persuaded an advertising agency and a client who, uh, who was Lotus at the time the software wow. company who don't even exist anymore I think or subsumed into IBM <laughs> And I persuaded them, quite contrary to their own belief initially, that they should have a double-page spread in, 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 my, in our magazine. And, uh, and I, uh, they agreed. And uh, the, the thrill, I, the hairs still stand up on the back of my neck now, thinking about it, and them saying yes. And I would say, you know, as a salesperson... You have to get the buzz when people say yes. Because yes. there's an awful lot of no's yeah. before you get that. And, uh, and I still get it now. Yeah. Now Whether it be me pitching our business or whether it be when I hear our guys closing appointments on the phone, when I hear our client saying, you know that £10 million deal, guess what, we've just won it. Yeah. I still get the hairs on the back of my neck uh, up on that because it's a real thrill. You know, you work with the biggest
0: companies, observing them, sitting with them, becoming part of their sales team. Where do you see, both of you, the, the biggest issues in sales and marketing right now? Uh, well, that's a good question. It's a big question. <laughs> yeah, it's a
2: big question. Um, I think for most businesses, what they struggle to see. And it, and it is hard. It's very hard. They struggle, I think, to have a consistent plan of attack in terms of their sales. Um, so, for example, having visibility of their future pipeline of what's coming down the road, um, having a sense of the size of the market that they're operating in and what their market share is within that market and how they can increase that. Um, and also the complexities of doing business and securing sales. In the 21st century, because you know, lots of things have changed. Lots of things stay the same, but I think working in in, right now in business, um, buyers as well as as well as sellers have huge. Number of challenges.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and from a selling point of view, our customers and businesses generally have got to get to grips with the fact that there are multiple buyers involved in almost every significant B2B purchasing decision. Yeah. Um, each one of those will go through a whole sort of range of um, stages in their decision making process. They've got, you know, unlike when David and I started out. now people have almost limitless sources of information so when they're checking out suppliers and making decisions about who they purchase from you know they can look you up yeah on you know on facebook on linkedin on they can research you at the drop of a hat it will take seconds to have a wealth of information on you um and also they can engage with you across all sorts of you know social media you can engage with them across a whole range of social media but that means there's so many different choices that buyers have in terms of how they engage with suppliers and and how many choices you have in terms of how you engage with you know prospective customers yeah. so how on earth do you keep across all of that all the time yeah. Um and if you're not then you run the risk that your competitors are yeah. um so it's a complex situation, and I think a lot of companies out there underestimate that they overestimate the value of what's in their pipeline and they underestimate the complexities of closing deals in today 's marketplace yeah. um and I think that's a that's a very real challenge that we are we are um seeing when we talk to customers all the time.
1: Yeah. David, do you agree? Uh yeah, and I th- I think it, I think it is fascinating being invited on this, to have this sort of retrospective conversation because you know, in the first part of my and our careers we both worked for large corporates ourselves, yeah. so we understand how large corporates work. We understand the departmental nature of them, the hierarchical nature of them, and and the pressures they're under to deliver to shareholders. We understand all that. But I think you know what always puzzled me in the eighties and nineties was the chasm that existed between sales and marketing teams in in large organisations. Yeah. Uh, and, uh you know because I was uh, as a director of an exhibition business I had two two roles one was sales directing a large sales teams and the other one was acting as a marketing director making sure visitors turned up to a shed outside Birmingham <laughs> in their tens of thousands and so well, I, when I would go and talk to big computer companies who were quite forward-looking actually they ran the same they ran the same model they had uh, a marketing team who delivered leads to the sales team yeah the sales team was then going to close those leads and then once they were closed, the salesperson's job was finished, yeah. and effectively, it went into operations and ultimately into retention. You know, I still see sales and marketing working in silos, and never the twain should meet. Yeah. So, you know, Henry's described some of the environment and the complex environment we have to work in as sales and marketing professionals. Everyone has to pull together. If yeah. you're going to win a key account in an ever more competitive sector, and a key account that you want to be profitable, then you have got to work together as a team putting that prospect at the centre of a suite of activity which includes every part of the marketing armory every sales skill and tool that you have got and actually you start retaining that account even before you want it. Yeah. And so I think that is uh, what we see most commonly that in terms of larger companies, there's still this almost dismissive, oh, well, the salespeople say, oh, my well, marketing, they don't understand how difficult our job <laughs> is. And the, and, and, the, and the marketing people, well, you know, they're just sales folk. We do all the sort of brainy stuff. I've got a degree in marketing and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And the fact is, if you are going to win, in a very challenging sales environment, everyone has to pull together. And, and I think there's a lot of talk. As a, as a member of the Chartered Institute of Marketing and, and a marketing professional, You know, there's been a lot of talk uh, quite recently about account-based marketing or ABM. And essentially, that's about placing a prospect at the center of you know, a bespoke suite of sales and marketing activity. And actually, you know, we, we've been preaching that here a long time. Yeah. And, you know, the total prospect management we talk about with clients. Now, we've been talking about that perspective and outlook and way of working for the best part of a decade, one way or another. My plea to um, certain large companies is, you know, focus on what you're doing, which is supplying value to shareholders, which quite often is about growth and then profit from that growth. And actually get everyone in your team. On the team, yeah, to you know to focus on that. Uh,
0: Definitely runs through broadly speaking. I mean, Giuseppe and I both are on sales and on marketing, so we definitely know how that runs. Well,
2: we do need to understand. I think you know we often get someone might phone in to the business to ask us to help them with lead generation, for example. Yeah, and it may be a marketing manager, Mm. and the marketing manager will you know describe their need as being we need to generate more leads. Um, and my first question would be, well, what are you trying to achieve? What are your overall business objectives? What are your sales goals? What sort of leads do you need? You know, um, uh, what's going on in your marketplace at the moment? You know, what, what do you call a good lead? And they, they won't really necessarily, they won't know what their sales objectives are. They know that what their marketing objective is. Their marketing objective is to generate leads. Mm. Full stop. What happens to those leads, what the quality is and what happens after that and what the sales team need to do with them isn't really their responsibility. That's not always the case, but it still happens too often. Um, You know, so so, uh, you know, it's easy for me to say, but I think, you know, I see it a lot is that, you know, you just you just want businesses to work to get their teams to work together. Yeah. In a more joined-up way, yeah. um, and you know, because lots of money is wasted by people generating leads that no one actually then does anything with. Um, they don't. They don't get any feedback on them. They don't know what happens to them in the end. And often, you know. Lead generation companies, for want of a better word, telemarketing companies are, are, are briefed by a marketing team, but what they deliver isn't what the sales team need. Yeah. So ultimately, you know, that company's wasted that opportunity yeah. and that money. And whilst yeah. they were busy doing that, they were missing opportunities elsewhere.
1: Yeah. So- I, mean, I mean, I remember we had, we had, we took on a, a portion of a, a big portion of business, and and the guy who um, had briefed the uh, kind of call centre. To operation to work for them came in and said, "Oh, I've got a pipeline worth you know forty million pounds." And going, okay, great, that sounds exciting. And, and look at all my leads," he said, and and he, he got his spreadsheet out and put them up on the screen. And we're looking at it, thinking, "Hmm, okay, what do you call a lead?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and And uh, and he said, Oh, well, I I found out the individual's name and I found out who their current suppliers are. And I've kind of found out where the, um, you know, when their current contract might end. And and I've kind of found out how much the value of the contract might be. And we're going, uh, Well, that is all very interesting and it's a great place to start. However, that is in our book. it's the rudimentary part of a sales lead. Now, we would take that as you need to have that as a given. And now what we would call a lead is where you've talked to the the decision makers and the influencers involved in that change. Uh, You understand each individual in that buyer's grid, their, their motivations for change. And you are in a position then having a full understanding of their needs and wants. To propose an alternative solution. And then we get the client's salesperson in there.
2: So it is about, if you've got a pipeline of 40 million, as maybe that person thought they had... The the problem is if you start to make forecasts based on that, because I think, you know, it's very easy to for a sales team to tell you if you're the sales director that they've got a pipeline worth 40 million. If you start then thinking, okay, so I'm going to convert 25 percent of that pipeline. Yeah. um, You know, how reliable is that? And then yeah. you go to your board and you say, "I've got. I think I've got a pipeline of forty million, and I think I can convert twenty five percent." That's where it all goes wrong. And I think lots of sales directors, lots of um, businesses, overestimate what's in their pipeline and underestimate how long it's going to take to convert it. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's much better. I think to be, you need to have realistic figures, and they need to be, mm-hmm. you know, they need they, they need to be validated and they need to be accurate. So that that that's the key thing. One of the key challenges i think for 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 sales directors and for for big businesses yeah um you have to test you have to test and interrogate your data and be confident in its accuracy and reliability
1: yeah we worked i worked with we both worked with a very uh, quite a well a well-renowned ceo and uh, he was working and trying to manage a quite a sprawling Organization across countries and continents. It's tough. You know, I've done it. We've done it. Uh, and uh, he went round uh, and and asked all the sales directors, you know, what how, how big their project, you know, what figures are going to end up on yeah. in terms of revenue. And they all came back kind of bullishly because that's what they expected. They their CEO wanted to hear. And they had six hundred products worldwide. And. Uh, Actually, he didn't spend enough time or their immediate bosses didn't spend enough time interrogating those pipelines. Yeah. Because when they all came back uh, and they were all £100,000 down, 600 times £100,000 is an awful lot of money to get wrong. Yeah. And he had gone to the city and, and, you know, he'd promised growth now growth came but we all know one thing that the city uh, doesn't like is is false profits so you know he'd gone saying it was going to be figure x yeah and it turned out to be figure y figure y if he told them that would have been perfectly acceptable mm. but um and he ultimately very quickly in fact not lost his job uh, and that was really just not being tight enough and smart enough around measuring and monitoring and interrogating the the pipeline. Yeah. Uh, and so it can be a real, real danger.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So looking, we've looked at the history, we've looked at sort of the, the present of Broadly Speaking and, and our ethos. Looking at the next five years, what what, what would you, what, what do you want to see Broadly Speaking do? What do you want to see Broadly Speaking achieve?
2: Um, well, I, I, you know, we, we've set out um, a vision, which, of course, you know, we're, we're uh, working towards and you always have to be... Um, open to changes to that, and, uh, but the I think the idea and my aspirations, for broadly speaking, really is just to be is to be renowned at, at, at being the best at what we do, which yeah. is working, you know, very closely in partnership with our clients and working backwards from the end goal. From you know, have the end in mind, work back from backwards from that in terms of helping our clients achieve their business and sales objectives. Yeah. And as we've discussed everything is you know joined up now i think in terms of marketing sales retention Everything is connected in terms of how how prospects buy, you know, um so across all sales channels, social media, um traditional calling and engaging in in, you know across the telephone and face to face. Um so we now, you know, when we operate at our best for our clients, we're pulling all those elements together and we're generating you know sustainable results for clients across multiple sales channels and um, across multiple divisions as far as they're concerned across marketing sales and retention so that's what i foresee and 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 to be doing that on a global basis we're working now with clients all around the world and that's what's you know really fun the world is getting a smaller place and um that's manifesting the way we work every day as you said earlier tom you're talking to the middle east in the morning and scunthorpe yeah. in the afternoon yeah and um you know new zealand australia the states europe of course um it's 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 a great time to be in sales i think and we have so many tools at our disposal now
1: yeah. Well, I think the, um, we're well on our way to achieving our vision, which is to be have a, a, a renown globally. Um, so a vast majority of our business still, come, still comes through, through referral. So when Hillary says we're working in Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, the UAE, uh, all over Europe and America, uh, the vast majority of that work comes through direct referral. So from people who have either worked with us now or have worked with us in the past saying, if you want this sales problem solved, then these are the guys to speak to.
0: Yeah.
1: And so that's a great thrill. So I think, you know, we are we are well on our way achieving that. I, I think what we've always been, uh, again, looking in hindsight, what we've been good at is remaining relevant yeah. in terms of keeping abreast of markets and sectors and, and adapting and changing and continuing to hone our skills to meet those needs and those markets yeah. and I think I talked about a variety early on I think that's the fun yeah it's fun working with you know bright you know intelligent senior people in the, in, in in our with our clients and no matter what size they are but helping them uh, you know, win new business. And, I mean, that. obviously, that's always going to be relevant. But, in fact, the landscape you're doing that in is constantly changing. Yeah. So, um, you know, when Hillary started, when we moved into this office, which is 15 years ago, uh, the biggest space item was a universal set of yellow pages (laughs) because uh really the internet was only just happening you know we you know pay-per-click you know we, you know we used google pay-per-click almost when it first started um and so there's no, you know all of that is great very empowering it also makes the challenge of sales more and more complex yeah uh, and uh so it 's just keeping abreast of all those uh, all those all those uh, complexities and adapting uh, some of them adopting some of them, and improving on some of them so you now who would say you know a small ish company in rural Devon would have come up with a market leading prospect management system yeah Um, and that is recognized by you know major CRM platforms as being a you know something that even takes their systems to the next stream In terms of its capabilities and and the way we use it. Yeah. So that's you know more. Bring it on. Yeah. More more than that, the you know more more of that the better. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: Well, I want to ask you one final question. If you were both to sit down with the Hillary and David from 1997, what one bit of advice would you give them?
1: I will never marry your boss.
2: Uh, Ditto (laughs) So um, no I think uh, I would say That you've got to have Lots of stamina yeah. I would say I would say, be prepared for yeah. a roller coaster ride. be prepared for lots of ups and downs, um, like the incident I described earlier you've got to know when you've got to stay strong and keep going yeah. um, and we've had you know highs and lows most definitely, so you know the year after we had our most profitable year, we had our worst year after the crash of two thousand eight nine wow. and you know there are times when you in any business you will almost certainly face times uh, when you think, you know, what am I doing, and is it worth is it worth it? Yeah. And I think the answer almost certainly is yes, because if you're in your own business and if you're running your own business, I mean, it's hugely exhilarating and fulfilling and rewarding. Um, but you have just have to be ready for the fact that there will be ups and downs. You have to stay confident, maintain your self belief. If you're doing the right things things will come good Um, and you have to have a lot of stamina so I I know there are times I've learnt that when, when you feel like giving up, that's the time to keep going. Yeah. And um, uh, I would say that to anybody who's in business, if you haven't faced those times, you will face them. They will come, but you will also get through them.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely. David? You know, as a, as a young person in business, uh, energy is great, you know, but you need, Henry's called it stamina. I think uh, one thing that age does bring is uh, is, is, is perspective yeah, and I think you know, yes, you need to keep maintain that energy, and part of that comes from having fun every day, which I still manage to do. Uh, but the other thing is you uh, bolt onto that um, a sense of experience and perspective. Yeah. And um, that, you know, when I was looking back in 1983, you know, there weren't many old people in the business. And there weren't many old people that we came across because we were selling to advertising agencies and IT businesses. And everyone was young and everyone was hungry and everyone was making lots of money. Um, and if you saw an old person, you'd kind of go, oh, blimey, they've got, got grey hair. <laughs> well, now I have got grey hair. Uh, and is um, old. <laughs> I, I am old. But the, uh, but the great thing is, uh, so I would say, you know, yes, keep your energy, yes, keep your focus, but also find people to learn from. Yeah. You know, because actually, one thing that youth doesn't bring is experience yeah so if you can bring keep that energy level up and couple it and learn every day
0: yeah
1: learn uh, from hard times good times difficult times uh, learn you know be be Hillary's talked about being interested be interested in your business be interested in the markets you and your clients serve be interested in the world in general yeah and And you will layer every day you can layer experience onto the 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 energy of youth.
0: Yeah.
1: And then you become an energetic old person like (laughs) me. Brilliant. Well, thank you for
0: both very for you. your time today. You. I think we've covered some great stuff. If you want to take a further look at how we tackle total sales, then just head over to our website. It's broadly-speaking.com. We're also on Twitter, at Broadly. Just search Broadly Speaking on Facebook and LinkedIn to find us there as well. Our podcasts can be found on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, to be honest, wherever you really get your podcasts. And you can also download our podcasts early and listen to them offline. Just visit our website.